On today's podcast, we've started a new sermon series titled Stories That Shape Our Faith, where we'll be taking a deeper look at stories throughout Scripture that we've likely heard all of our lives. On Sunday, Josh began the series by talking about the creation account found in Genesis chapter 1. Our discussion today centers around topics like, why was Genesis written and what does it teach us about God? Should we look at the creation account as a literal seven days? And how should we best practice Sabbath as modeled for us when God rested on the seventh day of creation? All of this and more today on After the Message. Hey, all right. Well, welcome back to the podcast this week. Uh, it's good to see you all. I was going to say guys, but uh, today we have some couple special guests, like people that aren't normally in the room, and one of them is not a guy. Not a guy. We've got Kylie Dan in the room. Way to go, Kylie. Ladies and gentlemen, Kylie hey, Dan. Kylie. Hey, everyone. <laughs> uh, and, and also Thomas Lister, who's, who's with us today. He is so, a guy. Thomas? I am a guy. We're yeah, thankful he for is, both I, of us. Yes, we will clarify that. Thomas is a guy, if you couldn't tell by his God voice. God created both of you beautifully and wonderfully made, so be proud yeah, yeah. of yes. who you are. I'm so, so, yeah, we're missing several people today, which is uh, part of the reason why Thomas and Kyle are in the room. <sighs> Miss uh, is a strong word. Yeah, well, Neil, not here. Neil, Mark, and Preston <laughs> well, are all, them. like, otherwise occupied today. Um, I think at least Neil's out of town. He's in Atlanta right. uh, Neil's, doing some training. Right. Neil's training yep. for the Lord. And uh, I think others had some other, because we're recording on a different time right. this week than we normally would. Can we tell so. on Mark? Can we tell on Mark and what he's doing? Um, I'm not sure. I know what Mark is doing. I what is he doing? Mark's... Mark is going turkey hunting. What? In Texas. Oh, so he... Oh, that's right. An awesome trip. Yeah. Wow. I hope he has fun. I hope he kills yeah, no doubt. all the birds. Well... We are given dominion, we right? Are. We're going to talk He's about that in a little bit. It. So, wow. you yeah. know, we'll way, to, way mm-hmm. to bring it back to the mm-hmm. sermon, Kylie. Right. Boom. Yeah, Calling so. the second string. That's God. right. <laughs> no, you first string, girl. We're hey, just hanging around. And by the way, for those of, for those who are listening and may not have much or any context for who Thomas and Kylie are, why don't, why don't you both take just a second and tell us uh, like what you do on staff at Broadmoor? Okay, well, I am Kylie Dan, and I'm the high school associate, so I get to hang out with ninth through 12th graders. They are awesome. I love it, and that is what I do. Great. And I'm Thomas Lister. I'm the children's associate at Broadmoor, and I work with first through fifth graders and their families, and I also love it, and they are also awesome, even more so than the high schoolers. Wow. Well, we got a We're fighting. Yeah. Fighting words. Good I'm thing. glad y'all love it, because it'd be kind of awkward if y'all were like, and it's, I hate yeah. everything that I do here, but thanks for letting <laughs> yeah. me on the podcast. It's okay, you know? Yeah. Um, no, and I think it's really appropriate that you guys are in the room, because, you know, uh, you know, even from a next-gen perspective, as I think about it, because a lot of these stories that we're covering, we started a new series on Sunday called Stories That Shape Our Faith. And, um, and, of course, we're going to talk about it here in a minute. Um, we started with Genesis 1 uh, and the creation story. But um, so many of these stories are stories that we hear as children. And, and you know, we kind of have this image burned into our mind mm-hmm. uh, of, of what these stories are, what they mean, and all these. And, and sometimes we don't even, we've talked about it before, we don't even give second thought to, or, or we don't give deep thought to it, I would say. You know, we tend to skirt over them when we get to them in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah, I know that, you know, and you just kind of make assumptions. Um, and uh, and I think that's what's going to be so great, has has been already Sunday, uh, but will continue to be so great as we look at these stories, is is really sort of looking at them on a level and a, with a depth of, of perspective that we, we may not have had mm-hmm. in the past. 
And um, so... I think that's a good point, and you made mention of it on Sunday, is that we... You know, a lot of us grew up just reading out of the Bible, but today we have some great resources mm-hmm. um, that are more so storybook Bibles, and I think that's that's important. So hear me say this: those are great books. Right? They give us a, a big picture of the story, but I think we also need to understand that that's not the text. That's right. And so, as adults, oftentimes we. We maybe grew up with a storybook Bible, and so these stories have become familiar. And I think it's important that we go back to the text and even take a deeper dive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that those are wrong. So parents hear me say, man, find those yes. that find those storybook Bibles. There's some great ones out there. Uh, a lot of them even help us see the thread of Jesus through those stories. And so they're great resources. Use them. But as adults, I would say. And even as probably high school students to dig back into the text, um, to actually open up a Bible and and not let these stories become so familiar mm. that we miss some of the things that God's wanting to show us out of out of them. So yeah, that's a good word. Yep, that's and, a good and word. I think we talked through this months ago when we were working through the sermon planning. Do we even want to use the word story at all, right? So the stories that shape our faith, because a lot of times when we think story, we think of a non-truthful thing that right. paints mm-hmm. a picture of something, it's right? It's fiction. It's yeah. fiction, right? And these are decidedly true, right? So we believe right. at the core of who we are that every one of these happened in the way in which the scriptures tell us they happened. Um, so when you hear the word stories, I know Mark, if he were here, he and I had probably uh, more lasting conversation even after our, our meeting that we had on that day of, of the word between story and account. And, and sometimes you'll see us be really mindful of when we talk about Jesus, not the story of Jesus, or the, the time that Jesus had the story of this, but it, it's the account of, right. like, like yeah. it's an actual thing. Mm-hmm. So when you hear the word story, even over these next 10 weeks, don't believe for a second that we don't believe it's, that, that it's not authentic. We do, and you should too. It's, it's mm-hmm. something that is, it is the core of who we are, and it gives shape to our faith, hence stories that shape our faith. Yes. Wow. There you go. Great, great way to hey, thank the, you. to incorporate that sermon series title into your, your conversation. This was like a video here. podcast. We'd yeah. have like put it right there. Yeah. It would have been a great place for a graphic. That would have been pretty yeah. good. Corey would have done that. Thanks, Corey. <laughs> so um, so I, I think, again, we talk about this a lot, you know, the, the whole hermeneutics thing and the, the whole idea of just the context for, in of course, Sunday, uh, you spent some time at the beginning of your message, Josh, talking about um, really who wrote the book of Genesis, why it was written, and when it was written, which was, was also really important, because some people kind of imagine, you know, that, oh... Well, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, who was there recording it at that time? You know, so somebody somebody must have written it down. Um, but uh, you know, I think just for those who may not, hopefully you've heard the message already. But for those who may not have heard the message, uh, let's talk real quickly about um, about that because the book of Genesis, written by. Moses. Right. Yep. And the book of Genesis is one, part one of five books that go together to form the Pentateuch or the Torah. Um, and, and they were books that Moses writes. We believe Moses writes. So there's, if you wanted to get into the weird stuff, there's all kinds of theories on who might have written what, when, where, and why. <clears throat> but we believe uh, historically that Moses wrote that and wrote, wrote it more than likely after they had left Egypt, as they were going towards the promised land sometime in that 40 years, because they didn't know who they were. Uh, and, and more importantly, they didn't know whose they were. 
um, because for 400 years of Egyptian captivity, they had been under Egyptian rule, Egyptian thought, Egyptian deity, at least the teaching of Egyptian deity. And so they didn't know better. And so Moses, God in his grace, used Moses to give them a written history of who they were and whose they were. And then that's why Genesis is written in the way that it is. Sometimes we can get caught up in the the very particular fine points of, of each verse, but it's to be made in the broad brush stroke mm. that we see in the beginning God. Like that that's the most important thing about all of Genesis, the creation story, is God, Yahweh, Elohim, the Hebrew God, our God, is the God who spoke it all into existence, including us. Yeah. And in the beginning, nothing was there, not us, not anything else, just him, and he'll be there at the end. So uh, that's why he writes that, to help them understand who they are, whose they are, and the, the direction that they have for their life. Well, I think, and I think that's a really important point, because, Sean, you you raised the, the or made mention of this earlier, the observation that there is so much theology, like in the first three chapters of Genesis. I mean... Yeah, that's right. Uh, so... In fact, I would encourage you, if you want to do a deep dive, um, and you want to, like, so, yes, broad brush strokes, but there are particulars Mm -hmm. that, as you start digging in, that begins to give us ideas about um, who God is, like, um, even the Trinity. Uh, so we have those kinds of things, the, the, what we believe about sin and what we believe about humanity. Um, there's even the picture in first, first three chapters salvation mm-hmm. and how how it's to come about and who it's to come through. And th- there's just all kinds of intricacies to these first three books that really lay a foundation for all of our faith. And so um, so really, it's, it's a place really to come back to. Um, and, and so in speaking to mm-hmm. that whole idea that God's trying to tell his people who they are, and who he is, right. like the, this, these are, this is the story, or this is the account that he wants them to really come back to, to go, hey, be reminded, this is who you are. Mm-hmm. Th- this is who I am. This is, this is why you need me. This That's is, right. this is what I created you for. This is how I gave you purpose. All, all of those things can be found and, and are, are here in these first three chapters of Genesis. That's exactly right. And if you don't know the first three chapters, and when we say three chapters, the first two are creation, chapter three is the fall. If we don't grasp that, nothing else about the Bible is going to make much sense to you. Mm. Um, Because when you get into chapter four of Genesis, we see the fall happening in all areas and facets of life. And it continues all the way through the end of Revelation when everything begins to change because the Redeemer has come and he starts to make... And and going back to a storybook Bible, I love using this line because this is a storybook Bible that we've used with Gideon when he was little and then now with Mary Joy and with Lydia. Uh, And and, and the author makes this statement that when Jesus comes, he comes to make all the sad things become untrue. And when I think about sin, Hmm. it's sad Mm-hmm. And it makes things sad. It mars everything. It casts a shadow over everything. But then light in Christ enters the world on the day that he is born, and those shadows begin to flee. And so all the sad things now begin to become untrue because the light of Christ is now residing in. And one day he will forever be, and all of those shadows will be forever gone. And so I love the pictures. Again, storybook Bibles are great. They, could, they can paint a beautiful, powerful story. But the, the granular stuff that we're talking about in Genesis 1, 2, and 3 are vastly, vastly important. Uh, and I would encourage you to read it because, and I would even take it a step further, 
The reason it's written is because they didn't know who they were. Mm -hmm. God wanted them to know, so they had Genesis. That's no different than we are today. Like, like if we don't know who we are, we don't know where we come from, we don't know what our design is to be, go back to Genesis. Go back to what God saw fit for his people in the beginning is the same thing he sees fit for us today. A lot of times we'll jump straight to the gospel. So when somebody is searching, you know, what is the first book of the Bible that they should read? What's our general answer? Probably John, John. because we go to the end and, and it says, well, I've written this to you that you may believe that, that Jesus is the Christ and in him you may have life, right? Great. Okay. But if you don't know the bad stuff of why Jesus had to come, you're not going to appreciate Jesus coming and all the great stuff that he does. So we go back and we know who we are, how we were designed, what God's called us to do. And then we get this picture of, of the Imago Dei, like this, this idea of being the image bearer of God and, and how that is mankind's design. Right. And, and we'll get into this next week podcast. You guys should come back to it. But imagine if the enemy wants to destroy God, what is he going to attack first? His, His image. image. He didn't go after creation because he knew creation would fall with mankind falling. So he shoots at the head of God and, and he hits. But God has somebody who's coming to redeem it all. Mm -hmm. And so you don't, we don't get that. You don't know the, the weight of who you are and the purpose you have in this life unless we get into Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Mm. That's so good. Mm. So, Thomas, uh, earlier when we were talking, you, you, mentioned, uh, you mentioned sort of a, 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 it was a question or an observation, I think more, probably more an observation, uh, but it was surrounding the whole idea of creation coming from nothing. Talk about that for a minute. Yeah, so um, I've always known that, I guess because I was taught that, but I didn't know why it was like that. But when we read Genesis 1, you can see it in the first four words, as Pastor Josh pointed out, in the beginning, God. But more so, you can see it in the Hebrew language when the word for created is bara, and God is the only subject in the active tense for that word, meaning that God is the only one who can create in that way. Hmm. And there's other words listed in Genesis 1 where God makes stuff, and that's asa, and that's how we can make things. Like we can take things that God has made and make them into something else or mold them into something, but only God can create out of nothing. And I feel like that's important for us to know, like only God can do that. Hmm. And you can know that through studying God's Word. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, and I love that even as I think about, because uh, as I was re-listening to the, the message, uh, preparing for this, um, you know, on Sunday you, 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 you talked about Josh just making a big deal of, of the Alpha and Omega, the whole idea that, that before there was anything that was God, when there is nothing else at the end of time, there is still God. Mm -hmm. Like... And, and he exists through all of time. And um, I don't know, I was just, as I was listening to that again, I was thinking, wow, that is, mm -hmm. you know, like if you, if you could wrap your head around that, um, one, it's pretty awe-inspiring, mm -hmm. but two, it's pretty comforting, you know, yeah. to just know that's the God we serve. Like, why, why are we, why are we all tied up in knots about things. That's right. <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> but I think it is. Like, I think I think it is so, to, your, to use the words that you just said, awe-inspiring and comforting if you know him and love him. But if you don't, that is a monster that is bigger than anything you could ever control or fathom. Mm. So if you're the enemy and you aren't part of the family, again, that would come in chapter three, there's a reason the lost world 
hates the idea of there being that type of a God. Mm. Because it's not like a a little G deity that is off or something ascribed to this. This is the one who was before all things and will be after all things. This one that we will give an account to, whether we are his or not, we're going to give that account. For us as believers, we're like, yes, you know me and you love me, praise your name. And then for non-believers, we're like, I hope that is not true. Because if that is true, I am really, really, really not in a good spot. Mm. Um, and so I think therein lies the, the the delineation point of why to some is the gospel message sweet and why to others is it the stench of death. Mm. Um, it's because we've put our hope in the one who that we will answer to in that day in him and then the others have not. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, the picture is vast, vast. He's so big and wonderful and glorious. Mike, I like what you said about... Um Alpha and Omega, and to your point about God, you know, being there in the beginning and then also being there in the end. And and Sean, you mentioned something about the narrative or the importance of the theology within the first three chapters. We see God's design in the first two chapters, but God's design doesn't change. Humans change. Humans introduce sin. But you see, even in the instructions that God gave Israel to create the tabernacle, a lot of the images on the walls were that of lush vegetation, which Mm -hmm. is a a shout out to Eden. Um, And then obviously the new heavens and the new earth in the end in Revelation, um, God is the same. He is consistent. His design stays the same. His pursuit stays the same, Um, even though it it happens in different ways, obviously through um, the tabernacle, then the temple, then Christ. And now we are temples, but his design is the same. His heart is the same. And I love every time I'm in Genesis, I'm reminded of that. Mm-hmm. That's, That's a good, good word. Yeah. So uh, moving on, it's, it's, Sean, I think it was you that mentioned uh, just, just the whole idea of chaos. So, you know, uh, was it? Well, I think a question came up to talk more. Uh, you mentioned this whole idea of chaos, and mm-hmm. it, was, it was grounded in Disorder. really... Um, that idea of, of helping God's people understand really who he was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think... Um, and this is a reference to verse 2. Verse 2. Yeah. I, I, and I think the question is, um, or, the, or the question that came up was, where do, where do you get the idea of, of chaos from it? Because mm-hmm. most uh, most English translations do not use the word chaos. That's right. So the idea is disorder, um, and chaos is, is a... F- it is disorder. It is when things that should be aren't. And so when we read Genesis 1-2, it says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was all over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, when you read that, you think, well, that doesn't sound chaotic to me, right? Well, if God has created the heavens of the earth, and everything is there, but it's not there yet, it seems to be pretty chaotic. And and again, like if we get into this whole thing, I believe that that more than exactly how God did it, Genesis was, was always meant to be God did it. Like he wants us to know and, and what he did. So if, if we're following along and there's another, another Greek word that, that follows this idea of God makes something out of nothing, this idea of ex nihilo, this, this, this God, God speaks and there's nothing there. It's not, he doesn't have a, a batch of material to make something else, but he speaks it and it comes into existence, right? And so from here, this, this unorganized thing happens just to give shape just at the sound of his, his voice. And so we get this picture of not only is he God high and mighty lifted up, but he speaks with authority. 
And so we, we get this God, and the Hebrews would have loved that, right? So they were like, yeah, that is our God. So when Jesus comes in and Jesus starts to speak to the storm, when Jesus speaks to the demons, when Jesus speaks to the infirm, when Jesus speaks to the dead, and they change, and they do, and they fix, and disorder becomes order, he is God. And that was some of the, the most tense moments in the New Testament, because he's not just saying he's God. He is showing himself faithful by just speaking only what God can do. So that's mm-hmm. when Nicodemus says, we've seen the things that you can do. And it's clear that nobody can do these things unless he's from God. That's what he's speaking to right here. Hmm. This idea of, of speaking calm, speaking order from disorder. Hmm. This idea of taking chaos and bringing it into uh, his dominion and rule. And I, f- I feel like that's probably why God created in that way, to show us that he has that power. Because he could have just said, I'm going to create the heavens and the earth, and they're already going to be ordered. But he didn't. That's right. Because he was, remember, he was giving us an example of his character, and this was written to an original audience who was in the middle of chaos, which is why I have to keep reminding myself, this wasn't originally written to me, although it was, it was originally written to the Hebrews who were in the middle of the Exodus. Right. And that's why I wanted us to talk about that hermeneutical practice again. Yeah. Because I had that question, like, where, like, why is it chaotic if God just created it? But he's revealing himself to mm-hmm. us, and he's like, hey, when you're in the middle of a chaotic life and you don't feel like there's a way out, That's right. I can make order of that. Mm. That is good. That's exactly right. So I think we do have some questions to talk about around, like, uh, you know, mankind and, and the creation of man. But before we get there, I'd, I'd love to just hit real quick, because uh, we covered this uh well, you said you were okay to talk about this, Josh, so, oh, so I'm going to bring it up. I might have changed um, my mind. <laughs> uh, so, you know, because as you look at the creation account, I mean, obviously, you know, the Bible in Scripture, it talks about seven days, seven days, which we would think of as a 24-hour period, right? Um, some would, would say that, that you know, it's not a literal seven days, that that's, you know, symbolic of some longer period of time. Um, so, you know, how do we approach that and, and really... I mean, I, I guess it does matter in, in on some level, but but does it matter? Sure. I, I think it it matters where other scriptures speak to the truth behind it, right? And so we have we have New Testament account, we have Old Testament account of of there being a little creation days and order that was existent. But I also believe, and I would say this is probably even more important than the literal seven day, twenty-four hour days, is the fact that the whole purpose behind this writing, particularly chapters one and two, is to tell us that there is a God and he can be trusted. And and we've got to trust him at his word because the first lie that the enemy breathes into the people of God is, did God really say? So if you don't have it settled in your heart that God is the one saying, and he holds ultimate authority, whenever the enemy whispers into your ear the same way he did to Eve and then eventually to Adam, did God really say? And we're like, well, I mean, I don't know if he really said. That's, that's how we die. That, that's how we bite the hook that tears us down mm-hmm. and takes our life apart. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So Yes, I believe. I truly believe that it is a literal seven-day creation. I believe that six days he creates, seventh day he rested. Whether it's 24 hours or not, uh, truthfully, like if we were sitting here, I I would say that's probably not as important as some people make it out to be. But the importance mostly is God is the one who did, and he can be trusted. Mm. So we need to solidify that in our heart as we continue to serve him, or the enemy will lie to us and make us, well, did he really say that? 
Is that really the thing? And that's where the enemy gets us and destroys us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's where I'd live. What else would you guys say? Okay. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say it any differently. There we go. Right, yeah. I like it. Yeah. I, I do think it comes back to hermeneutic a little bit. And so in that, we, when we come to the text, we often look at it as, I want to know how God created. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of thinking about why God wrote this to a group of people. Uh, because ultimately what he wanted to reveal about himself. And so, um, so anyway, yeah. w- when we, when we look at the text, like that's, that's typically our, our slant. I, I want to go here and, right. and I'm, I'm trying to think it, think about it from a scientific mind right. and, and we want our timelines yeah, that's right. validated. That's and, right. Yeah. And, and, and we can't, we can't miss the forest for the trees. That's right. Going back so, to that. And it's just, yep. so, Take sure, take the time, dive in, look at the intricacies, but don't don't miss what he was trying to communicate to his people. And I think, um, and it's not, it's also want you to hear it's not terrible to look at it through those two lenses either, right? That's so, right. so I look at it through a lens of why it was written to a group of people, but I also can look at it through a lens to go, what what does the what does it actually say, mm-hmm. and do I believe this? And 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 for me personally. I would land the same category of, of I believe in the literal seven days, and, and for me it comes comes down to I have a God that's powerful enough to do that. Like he he doesn't have to do it according to human conventions and right. the way that we think about things. He's he's other than us, and so seven days it says seven days seven days it is you know, right. uh, and so uh, so that's kind of where I land. Um, but it, but it is fun to, to dig into. It is fun. And then there's even, I think, a equally as fun question, if we can go there. Maybe. So was it on the eighth day that <laughs> sin came into the world? Like, how long did this creation like last? Yeah. Like, mm. was was it was it years that it lasted? Days, months, weeks, millennia? Like, what is it? And again, I would say the purpose of Genesis isn't as much how many days was it, but more so this is what happened and why we are the shape that we are in. Yeah. Right. And so... Again, let let the the word of God inform mm. your understanding. That's right. right. Don't let your understanding inform the word of God. Mm, right. That's uh, good. And, and I think that's something that's important because a lot of times we'll go to it like Sean was talking about. We have a tendency to be like, well, I, I want it to back up what I think. So, so let me let me let me find the verses. It's called proof texting. We'll find verses that make <laughs> us feel better about what we think. No, no. We go to the word and let it tell us what to think. Let, let it, it let it inform our, yeah. our life. And and if you're doing it right. Hopefully, you're going to be confronted and convicted about some things, and you may have to change course along the way. And and know this, that if the Bible ever says something that you disagree with, guess which one of you are wrong? It's never the Word of God, right? It's always us. And so the Word of God always should inform our life and the way that we live it. Yeah, Uh, that's good. All right, so so we get to the the sixth day, and and God creates all the the, the creatures that walk the earth, he, and then He creates man, and um, so uh, Kyla, you raised uh, you made an observation earlier when we were talking uh, that I, I'd love for you to just just speak about, um, and and that was having to do with like so even before the fall, you know, so God created man. Um, and and gave gave him work to do in the garden, which which may seem like a foreign idea to, to some people when they think about the Garden of Eden, right? Um, so talk talk about the significance of that for you. 
Sure. So obviously, uh, we have not gotten to the fall yet. That will be um, Josh's lesson for this Sunday. So, um, well, I don't know when we released the podcast, so I don't know if that was an accurate statement. It's great. Yep. Anyway, the people know. The people know. Um, Anyway, all of that being said, we have not gotten to the fall yet. So this is humanity and God's perfect creation, yet there's not an absence of work. And um, everything that was happening was good. Like all of the animals, uh, God's creation of man and woman, all of that was good and it was perfect. And so my observation was even before the fall, even before sin entered the world and corrupted it, we are still called to work. Mm-hmm. So what are what are the implications of that? What does that look like um, now? Obviously, not me. I love my job. I, I already said that at the beginning. But, <laughs> Thankful uh, that you do. Yeah, me too. Honestly, me too. But there are a lot of people that when they think of work, uh, there's a, a very negative connotation. Oh, I have to go to work tomorrow or, you know, I have to I'm working on this project for work. And it's it's usually a, a complaint attached to that. And yeah. so. Um, like work bad. Yes, rest work, good. Yes, exactly, <laughs> right. exactly. But but in this case, in the simplest of terms. Yeah, in the simplest of terms. Yes, but in this case, um, God is revealing that both are good. Mm-hmm. So, what does that mean for us today? What are the implications? It's a great word. What would you say? I I do think that work is good. Uh, the The proverbs say a lot mm-hmm. about work. And, um, and idleness, they say a ton about idleness right. and, um, I, I think work gives us purpose. Mm-hmm. Work gives us, uh, a reason to get up in the mornings. Obviously the gospel does as well. Um, but even sharing the gospel would be a form of work, not, That's not, exactly right. not the negative way that we view it today, but, um, you are getting up and you are doing something mindfully and with purpose, and that would be work. That's exa- And I would, I would even echo that excellent job, but I would echo that and say that, that sharing the gospel is the work. That's right? right. So when we go back to Genesis 1, particularly, and how it's laid out, how they're to have dominion over the, the fish of the sea and the birds that fly and the animals and the, the creepy crawly things, like the whole idea was for the likeness of God. What was their work? Well, of course, they were to work the land. But they were to declare or to show or to radiate God's glory, his image, to all people and all things, right? So work prior to the fall was us existing with all of humanity and all of creation to let them know how good God is. That's the work, right? I don't think that work has changed today. I think in the same way that we are still called to work every day, that's why we call work work is ministry, right? And so a lot of times we'll say, well, work is you know, punching the time clock and going to that job that I hate. No, no, that's your platform. The work that we get to do as believers is declare the glories of Jesus Christ, who's come to restore that image in us and allowed us to be right image bearers again. So when we get to do the work and then you go to the point of, well, idleness is a sin, right? So idleness, if our only reason for existence is to show the glory of God and we are idle in that, then that is sinful, not because we're not working or or punching the time clock, but because we are not declaring his glory. We are not there showing the world because they're in desperate need to know that their God is this God that we're talking about. And so for me, as I understand this idea of work, the whole premise, yeah, it was to take care of the animals, to take care of the fish, take take care of the land and to take care of one another. 
But it was all out of the basis of, of making sure they knew who God was mm. and that he was good and could be trusted. That's our work then, and I believe that's still our work today. Yeah. But now it has to be through the redemption of Jesus Christ. That's right. Uh, so there, there's an interesting... I, I read a book a few years back um, that uh, took a passage in Isaiah. Um, I, I believe it's called When Kings Come Marching In. It's um, a cool title. I'd but it was, and yet another song has come to mind. And yeah. And so, but but it's Isaiah oh, 60, <laughs> um, and it, it's uh, talking about just the Lord's glory being restored in Zion. Mm. And it's this beautiful picture of all the nations... They're bringing, they're trading, they're they're rebuilding the walls. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's this beautiful picture of work, and in it, the purpose in verse sixteen is so that you will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob, and, and He's describing this picture of this restoration of what life is supposed to look like, even when we think about work. All for the glory of That's God. Right. Hmm. All to show that He is Savior, He is Lord, He is God, He is the Holy One. That's right. And and so it's a it's a really cool um look at, at a passage in Isaiah that um is connected to uh when when Jesus in Revelation it describes makes all things new. Yeah. Um or as the storybook says, makes all the sad things untrue. Hmm. That's right. And so and it's just so hard for us to fathom mm-hmm. work. Even some of the things that we know is work, right? Without toil, that's right. But for His glory, mm. and so that's that's just a beautiful picture. And I think, I think we will be greatly surprised, yeah. like just and marvel at how beautiful God restores all things mm-hmm. in that moment. Mm. And so, and I think we get we get a glimpse of it in Genesis one. That's that right. He's given Adam and Eve this work to do. That's right. And, and and it's natural and it's all for his glory so that he might be known. And so right. and to connect those dots just mm-hmm. one more time. So if if our work is to declare his glory, if our work is to to make him known and in in the fall, and we'll see this on Sunday, Sunday coming up, and we'll see that that now they're going to still work, but it's gonna be hard. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because the image has been marred. And, and now it's exhausting. Now now we attempt to do this thing, but we can't do this thing in and of ourselves, okay? And then Jesus comes and he says, all of you who are tired, weary, and heavy laden, come to me and find rest because my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Because when we come back to him, then he takes what was hard and makes it light because he restores what was broken. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's the beauty of the image bearer being restored not in what we've done. We, we can work as hard as we want. We'll never get it. But Jesus is the one who comes and we put our hope and trust in him. And we take that yoke and it's this picture of we've been yoked up trying to pull it ourselves and we can't do it. Mm-hmm. And now we put this thing that's next to him and he carries the load where we can't. And now the image is being restored because of what he's done. Mm. That's good. That's so good. So we've got just a few more minutes here, and uh, and there are several directions we could go, lots of things we could talk about in our last few minutes, uh, but uh, maybe I'll just do something that I don't normally do. I'll just open it up. Hey, are there any things that we haven't covered that you guys, uh, that you guys just, that's it's on your mind? Thomas, you look like you're itching to say something. I don't know if I'm itching, but I, I feel like this <laughs> is a good... very itchy. Yeah, does good. Thomas ever like look like he's itching for anything? Nah, like he's chill, yeah. chill. Yeah. I feel like this is a good time, though, to talk about Sabbath and day seven, because mm-hmm. we talked about work and 
in my personal life, I've been convicted of about about the way I Sabbath or have been Sabbathing recently mm. because I've almost used it as an excuse to like take a break from being a Christian, which I know mm. that's not the intended purpose, but I take a break from everything I'm doing physically because it's like a physical rest, and that's not the intended purpose for Sabbath. So could we talk about what you guys think the intended purpose That's what you're saying is your idea of Sabbath is just check out. Yeah, it has been that, and God has been convicting me of that. Right. So can y'all help me? Yes. So is your question, what is a healthy Sabbath? Is that the question? That is a great way to phrase it. (laughs) All right. Yeah. So what's a healthy Sabbath? And I I would even nuance it probably what's a healthy Sabbath for ministers and what's a healthy Sabbath for non-ministers, although they're going to be in the same ballpark. I do think they're going to be different, but we'll discuss that Mm -hmm. in a second. Yeah. So what's a healthy Sabbath? Pastor Sean? (laughs) So uh, we were just, uh, we just had around the table today Mm -hmm. and we discussed this a little bit. Which is for our listeners. uh, For, for, I'm sorry, for our men. Uh, It's a gathering that we have every month around the table. Every first Tuesday. First Tuesday. Thank you. Fill in all the blanks for us. Which all men are invited to (laughs) be part of. Yes. Free announcement that I didn't give. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so anyway, uh, Sabbath though we we were discussing this and how it looks different for different people because there are there are different things that bring rest and so so for one person um, planting flowers like digging around somebody might go well that's work you know and but a person might find rest in that and joy in that mm. and and so for us as we discuss it. It's, it's really more about resting in the completed work of Christ, like finding joy in who God is and what he has done. Mm. Um, and so as I explore times of rest, it's not me just checking out completely, but to have moments that I um, am not thinking about all the things that I have to do and all the things that must get done and the things that bring me anxiety and worry and stress me out or toil but instead that um, helped me to reflect and think about who God is and what he's accomplished. And so, so I think healthy Sabbath is not just checking out, but also really a moment of worship um, toward the God that has created us and accomplished the work of salvation for us. So, mm. Yeah, I, I mean, and I, I, loved, uh, I loved Josh's comment on Sunday just about the, like, the purpose of Sabbath is not not to sweat. Right, <laughs> you know, but but really, just to take twenty four hours and take our hands off of life, yeah, and just recognize that you know things go on like God's in control, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I've I've talked about often on on this podcast, um, I think the sort of the legalistic environment that I have, uh, you know, I I sort of grew up in, but I had a friend, uh, one of my one of my close friends who, who literally his his father would not allow him to fish on on Sunday because it was, you know, well, that requires work to cast a line, you know, like you, you have to exert energy to do that. And, uh, and so you should not fish on, you know, and so you just ruined my Sabbath, Mike. So there you go. (laughs) But, but again, I think that that's just a, you know, it's a great illustration to say that, that, that I think we're in that we're kind of missing the purpose of Sabbath, right? You Mm -hmm. know, it's, it's not, as you said, Josh, it's not, not to sweat, right? That's not the idea. So I think, and you know, Josh, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I, but (laughs) no, I look, I'll, I'll receive it. But I think that, um, and I say this 
not as somebody who does this well, but I think that part of the Sabbath um, is related to the idea of reflecting, yes, but remembering. Um, And that's something that I think the Jewish nation of Israel did really well with their Sabbath practices. Mm -hmm. They were all tied to remembering, remembering things that the Lord had delivered them from, remembering certain verses and saying certain verses. And so not that our Sabbath needs to look exactly like that. That's not Mm -hmm. what I'm saying. But I think that taking some time to intentionally remember what the Lord has done in your life and thank him Mm -hmm. for what he's done. I think that should be a part of the Sabbath. And I am not saying I do a good job of that, but just looking at the, the precedent set by the Jewish nation, I think you know, I, I think that that is part of it. So mm, you I can correct no, me, Josh. <laughs> no correction, spot on. I think that's right. And I do think uh, sometimes our versions of Sabbath, ours being uh, modern day Christians, I know mine, I would put our, I put mine in ours, uh, of, of kind of wanting to take a break, kind of what Thomas would, would have talked about, um, without the intentionality of taking a break just to refocus on who God is, what he's done, and his goodness and faithfulness. Mm. So instead, and I would say this is the danger for ministers, and it's probably even more so for ministers, I would assume, um, that we are immersed in the Word all week. We are immersed in the Word when we're teaching, when we when we lie down, and we when we get up, when we go by the wayside, like that whole Deuteronomy six, that Shema. We're doing that as a job. Uh, we're doing that as as a as a call, a function. You know, job may sound too too you know driven by money or a paycheck as as a call in our life, right? And so when it comes to a day of rest. Sometimes we want to rest from the thing that we do all week. Well, that's dangerous for us because the thing we do all right. week is, is the is is the work of the Father, um, and our goal for the Sabbath day is to not rest from that. Um, but I think for me, the intentionality, um, whether I am doing fun stuff. So Mike, growing up, my, my story was similar. I had a grandmother uh, on my dad's side who wouldn't allow us to go hunting on Sunday afternoons because we would always go eat lunch at her house. And then she had a great dove field in the back. So during, during dove season, we'd go shoot doves um, throughout the week. And for Sunday, she wouldn't let us go shoot the doves because it was the Sabbath day. But then she would cuss like a sailor all afternoon. And I thought, <laughs> how is that a thing? You're telling me that I can't go shoot doves, but you're going to sit here and I'm, I'm, you're going to cuss that thing like a fly's not going to land on it. What are we doing here? I don't think that's the right way to, to Sabbath, right? The whole purpose is to... Take a, take a moment and take mm. our hands off the things that we control throughout the week yeah. and remember that God is ultimately the one who controls it. Yeah. Uh, and I think that is even more paramount for ministers, like for mm. us, to find a way to faithfully Sabbath. Um, because I, I think one of the dangers of the call in our life is we begin to believe that that book is just something to, to study and prepare for, and we don't enjoy it for ourselves. Yeah. Mm. I, um, I had a youth pastor growing up that his his view was that we, especially as a minister, we ought to um, enjoy our time with the Lord in his word, and our work actually comes from the overflow mm-hmm. of that. Um, and he always used the phrase to work out of the overflow. And um, so that it's not all about us preparing this, but instead we joy in it, and we, we live in it, we, we have... We have this relationship that we get to deepen and enjoy and sit with, and then it's out of that that we actually do our work. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so just that's always stuck with me um, in that we don't we don't ever have a moment where we go, okay, it's my Sabbath. I'm gonna leave this. I'm gonna leave this book behind. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave worship behind. 
know it's actually out of that yeah, that I get good. to mm. I get to com- complete and actually do the work that God's called me to. That's great. Great topic, Thomas. Thank you for bringing it up. Way to go, Thomas. um, It wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Way to go, Holy Spirit and Thomas. Yes. Well, um, so uh, as we wrap up today, it's a great discussion. And and Thomas and and Kylie, great to have you guys in here. Great Mm -hmm. great thoughts and insights. Y'all are way better than Um, Neil and Mark. Love you guys. I'm not going to say anything. We love you guys. I like Y'all to keep are, my job, but I love. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so of course, we've already established that this coming Sunday we're, we'll be looking at the fall, and then we've got lots of other things. I think uh, eight other um, stories that are planned because uh, this is a ten week series. So, um, of course, there are lots of things we could have covered, um, could but have. we we just chose eight. You know, the the big stories in the Bible that lots of people would uh, would identify with. Um, um, but as Josh said on Sunday, if your story isn't covered, you know, just wait, just keep coming. We'll, we'll get to it. Hopefully it'll be a couple more years <laughs> together, man. It'll be great. Yeah. So, um, guys, uh, great having you guys in the room and, uh, looking forward to uh, future discussions. Always good to, always good to see you. Thanks, Talk. Mike. Love you, buddy. Good to see Love you. you guys. Love you guys. This has been a production of Broadmoor Baptist Church. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with others and don't forget to subscribe. To help us spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe as well. They can find us wherever they prefer to get their podcasts. And if you'd like more information about Broadmoor, please visit our website at broadmoor.org or connect with us on your favorite social media platform where we're listed as at my Broadmoor. Thanks for listening.